coming up on today's show, we catch up with Monday Night Football and look at Sam Darnold's debut, the Lions implosion, and Chucky's return to the sideline. We also look ahead to week two and the games and the individual matchups we're most looking forward to, as well as our inevitably incorrect predictions. We update the results from the first week of our DraftKings Listener League and take a deep dive into this week's fantasy matchups. Um, finally, we talk who in the Tomahawk squad has the best weekend lined up. Tune in. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Tomahawk Show, presented by Uninterrupted. I am your co-host, Andrew Hawkins, joined as always by my guy, Joe Thomas. Joe, how you doing today? I'm having an okay day. I'm going to be honest, Hawk, man. Technology got the best of me this morning. Yeah. For some reason, my freaking internet wouldn't work, and I had to get on this very important conference call with my Tomahawk squad, and I couldn't get the freaking internet to work, and then the baby starts crying, and mama was gone, and it was like a total Damn. shit show hurricane around here, and uh, I don't know what was going on. It was insane, and somehow I was able to get on like my neighbor's internet, I'm, and so currently right now, I'm stealing my neighbor's <laughs> internet. So hopefully nothing bad happens, yeah. and I don't lose you guys because this is the most important episode of my life. I agree. You've been logging some real deal daddy daycare hours in retirement, like way more than I have. Not <laughs> knocking myself because I am uh, humble, but I'm not that humble. But you've been really putting in the man hours as a dad. Dude, the expectations are higher on the Thomas Hostel, let me tell you. And I don't ever meet those expectations, but let me tell you what, <laughs> I try my best. And I always fail. I feel like sometimes Naturally. like career. I tried my best, but still always failed. As good as you were at football, you are equally as bad at every other aspect of life. Agreed? <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying <laughs> no to get problem. better at cooking. Uh, that's not going so well, but I'm still eating. I, as you can see, the, the, the cooking's not working because I'm losing weight continually. Dude, you're disintegrating. I gave myself a worm. <laughs> and eating all the food that goes in my belly or what, but uh, life work. is not good. But you know what is good? Week two of the NFL season, and that's why I am really pumped up because week one was really exciting. It was my first week out of the NFL, completely no NFL, no affiliation. I was hurt last year towards the end of the year, but yes. I was still on the Browns. Now, no affiliation whatsoever, so I just sit at home, watch the games, live tweet, talk trash, Video has, my takeaways. And then has Commissioner Goodell reached out to you at all? Like, do you, did he, has he ever like hit you up? Like, Joe, how you doing? Every now and then I get that unknown number that's calls and it's, it's Roger. He, he's really? afraid of me having a cell phone number, but he does <laughs> hit me up from that bat phone. I love it. He actually wrote me, when I retired, he wrote me a letter. No, he didn't. I swear Wasn't on everything I love. On like college ruled no, notebook paper that had been ripped out. It was signed by him for sure. And everything else, you could tell he like basically copy and pasted from my Wikipedia page to the letter. But he was like, you did, you did great playing at Toledo, amassing <laughs> this many yards. Shut and up. then He went, did not quote your stats. I don't dude, believe that, man. You he quoted like that. different oh, points shit. of my life. Like, but you could tell he read it other places. I, I'm going to get the letter and post it online. Dude, that's probably awesome. not what you want to do when the commissioner gives you a letter of congratulations on your career. Yeah. But I'm definitely going to do suck. it. We're going to have to start a tomahawk kangaroo court 
and start finding each other. And that's self-suck fine. Well, there's going to be a lot of fines, right? It's like the O-line. We're, we're fun people. We used to do this. Receivers, you guys are just too busy talking about your chains and uh, <laughs> all your fancy cars and everything. O-linemen, we were down to business finding each other for farting, finding each other for throwing each <sighs> other under the bus, and finding each other for self-sucks. All right. All oh. in an effort to raise funds for an end-of-the-year dinner. All to eat. All that just, just to so eat an eat. extra meal. <laughs> Is the O-line the most disgusting position group on a football team? Oh, by far. Look at us. When I played in Cincinnati, I'm not going to name them. And I I know TD, never scored a TD, hates when I tell stories and don't name who they are because I know the listeners want to hear it. But there were O-linemen who would pee in the hot tub after every practice and just sit in it. And they go, did you pee in this hot tub? They'd be like, yeah, I pee in here every day. And it was just no big deal. They Everyone getting in the hot tub, they're just peeing in the hot tub. You think that was legitimate or they were just doing it for shock value? Because I can't imagine they're going to just go pee in the community hot tub at the Bengals facility unless you guys were just a bunch of nasty motherfuckers in Cincy. Look, maybe it, that's why you guys are so dirty. Maybe. It, it wasn't like a joke. It wasn't, this wasn't like a joking guy. He wasn't like a, you know, <laughs> let me rile people. He's a very smart dude. It was wasn't Marvin. Marvin. It, it wasn't when Marvin. you guys were sharing a room, wasn't it? Also, we used to have uh, Olympics where we would have like interns around. We would pay them to do stupid things. And I may have talked about this before, but I don't care. But we would make them like, we would get a cup of the hot tub water and I would pay an intern, like me and AJ Green. We'd be like, we'll give you a hundred bucks to drink this. Or it'd be like, we'll give you 200 bucks just to walk into the cold tub. Don't take anything out of your pockets. And they would do it. Now, is that going too far? Maybe. I mean, Seriously, I mean, they had we, the option to say no. We did it. No, no. I'm, I'm gonna actually say, it's a free country. You didn't coerce them by saying, if no. you don't do it, I'm gonna kill you, or I'm gonna like injure you, or do something bad to you. What you said is, I've got a money making opportunity for you. Yeah, and they and, accepted it. And I put AJ's name in there, but it was actually me. <laughs> <laughs> but with me and AJ, we would, we would bet stupid things back and forth. Like we were hurt at the same time, so it'd be like. You know, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, I can make this tape ball into that. And that's just how you pass the time. You get yeah, bored. Yeah. But, uh, well, hey, man, let's get to it. Yep. Listen, make sure you hit us up on social, at Tomahawk Show. Interact with us, ask questions. Listen, support all of our really cool content we got coming out. Hashtag Tomahawk. And, of course, make sure you head to DraftKings.com if you haven't already and sign up using our code HIKE, H-I-K-E, that way you can build a roster, play some fantasy with me and Joe in our listener, Tomahawk League. We haven't got the official results, but I'm pretty sure I was the best. We'll get into that later. We'll, we'll actually announce who won the league this week and who got closest to 73.16 points. Real quick, Joe, I didn't realize – I'm not a fantasy guy. You're not a fantasy guy. So We're trying we said, to figure it out. When we said we would pay whoever gets 73.16, your team has to really suck to get that low of points, I realized. <laughs> so it's going to be basically whoever's in last place gets to win and whoever wins gets to win. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we need a, a full accounting of the Tomahawk squad and how they did in fantasy so that we can come up with some type of punishment for being in last place yes. each week and then maybe at the end of the season. I couldn't I'm, I'm new to this, but you know, every time I hear people talk about fantasy, it's more about like, hey, the person that lost has to do some embarrassing task. And really, the person that won doesn't even care. So I feel like we need to do that since this is our, like, inaugural year into fantasy. I know. My other team sucked. Matt Stafford was my quarterback, and that kind of transitioned us right right to Monday Night Football. That was my starting quarterback. He threw uh, four interceptions, which 
is terrible for those who aren't following oh, football very oh, is that often. that bad in football? Four yeah, <laughs> apparently that's not – you don't get points for interceptions. But the Lions looked equally as bad all the way around. Does this kind of feed into what you said about defensive-minded coaches being head coaches? You know what? I think Matt Patricia, I'm actually a fan. I actually think yes. he's going to do a good job. But my, my whole theory on defensive coaches being head coaches is the fact that to be a good defensive coach, typically it's more about hustle and discipline and yelling at your guys and getting all of them to play hard. Those are the things that typically lead to success for defensive coordinators, right? So Sean McDermott gets hired in Buffalo. He is uh, the new head coach as of last year. He actually did a pretty good job. I mean, he took him to the playoffs, so you, we can't criticize him too much. But I think the big issue with defensive head coaches is when they're defensive coordinator, a lot of times they become great defensive coordinators because they get their guys to play hard. They get them to play together. It's not as much cerebral. It's not as much scheme for the most part. Typically, it's get everyone to play hard, get them to hustle, and that is what leads to success for a defensive-minded head coach because of the competition they breed, the toughness. It's all those old-school yep. football things that you know lead you to have typically a good defense, right? But when you're a head coach, you have to a lot of times make decisions that look down the line a little further than just one week or one year. You have to be almost like the owner, right? You Because you got to make decisions that are in the best interest of the franchise long-term. And so sometimes your ego will get in the way when you're a defensive-minded head coach because that's how you learn to be successful as a defensive head coach. Look, for instance, what happened in Buffalo last year. You had Terod Taylor doing a great job, and all of a sudden in the middle of the season, he wants to send a message to his team, so he benches him in favor of Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman comes in and plays terrible like he did. Then you, you bench him, then you go back to Tyrod, and it's this back and forth that you can't have. So specifically yeah. the handling of the quarterback position for defensive-minded head coaches I think is a lot of times flawed because typically they're going to go back and forth and they're going to try to make a competition. But when you're a quarterback, you need the coach to have confidence in you, and you need to know that if you go out and have a bad game, you're not going to just get benched for the next guy like you would if you were a cornerback or a defensive lineman or something like that. Hawk, I'll let you follow up on that. Yeah, I, I disagree. Um, I'll let you say all that just to tell you you're wrong. Because for this reason, last night there were seven new head coaches. I don't do a lot of preparation for the Tomahawk because I like to just free flow it, but I did get this tidbit to cheat you. There were seven new head coaches that debuted this past week, and they all lost. And four of them were offensive, and three of them were defensive. So I think it's – while I do agree with what you're saying, I think there is some try-hard mentality to defensive coaches that doesn't build yes. well for the entire yeah, that's team. Good. That's a good way to put it. But on the contrary, I think sometimes offensive head coaches run into trouble trying to put their hands too deep into the cookie jar. Instead of like just managing the whole team, sometimes they, you know, they put too much focus on the offensive and put too much of their time there where they can't manage the whole team. Yeah. So – I think it goes both ways. I say all that to say, yeah. if you suck, you suck. I don't think Sean McDermott's decision to start Nathan Peterman after Nathan Peterman had one of the worst halves of the quarterback in NFL history. I think it's just who he is and just almost prideful thing. I think McDermott got prideful because he felt like, man, I was riding high. We had Buffalo six and three. I made this decision. And now everybody's pointing to me about this decision. And he wanted so bad to redeem himself that he named Nathan Peterman the starter, and all it did was double down. Instead of stopping the bleeding, yeah. he kept it going. And he really put that kid, McDermott, or uh, Peters, 
Peterman, he put him in a bad situation. Like that's on the head coach. That's a yeah. bad decision-making process. Yeah. You know, let me quickly revisit my uh, opening stanza there. My thesis maybe is flawed. It's, it really <laughs> isn't only defensive head coaches, but I will say when you are a defensive head coach, the mistake I see more than anything is the ego, the machismo getting in the way of making sound decisions specifically yes. at the quarterback position mm -hmm. for your team. I lived it under Eric Mangini, the way we flip-flop between Derek Anderson and Brady Quinn and this guy and that guy because defensive coaches, they just know, throw somebody in there and see if it works. But it doesn't work like that at the quarterback position. you got to pick no. somebody and stick with them. I think what uh, Sean McDermott did last week, he picked Peterman. Peterman sucked, so he benched him, put Josh Allen in. Then it's like, I'm going to go back to Peter Peterman. It's, it's too confusing. you got to yeah. pick a quarterback and stick with him, and, and he's got to be your guy, and he's got to know you got your back. He should have kept A.J. McCarron. Now, on the other side of the ball, Sam Darnold starts his career with a pick six, and I'm thinking, like, okay, here we go. This guy sucks. And Josh McCown told me he was really good, so it disappointed me because I'm like, Josh, you told me this guy was good. But he did actually come back and ball the rest of the game. What were your thoughts on, on Darnold's, uh, Darnold's debut? Yeah, so my thoughts are – I didn't think he was going to do well. I, I'm notoriously a rookie quarterback hater. Mm -hmm. You I hate almost, rookie quarterbacks. I think almost – well, I lived through so many of them, and they were all nightmares. So I, I think <laughs> for the most part, you want a rookie to sit and watch because there's so much to learn. Playing hold on, hold on, hold on, Joe. You just – you said you want him to sit and watch, but then before you said Josh Allen should be the starter over Peterman. No, you did not hear. You must have a problem with listening. You must have too much earwax. Okay. What I said is you got to pick somebody and stick with them. I didn't say that Josh Allen's your guy. If it was me, I wouldn't have traded A.J. McCarron. That was dumb. Okay, I got you. We're on the same page there. Continue. Yeah. So anyways, so Sam Darnold, I was uh, expecting terrible, terrible things. So I had the Lions in that game. I thought for sure the Lions were going to smoke them. Matt Stafford. I actually think Matt Patricia is going to do a good job as the head coach, but I figured that they were just going to throttle the Jets. I, I am not a Jets fan, and all of a sudden, of course, I was wrong. Well, Sam Darnold throws that terrible pick at the beginning. I expected a lot of bad decisions throughout the game like that because typically what happens with a rookie quarterback, he makes one bad play, he gets in his head, he either is afraid to throw the ball then or he just ends up throwing seven or eight picks because he just has <laughs> no idea and he just gives up. Right, it's like the Jay Cutler mentality. It's like, well, who cares anymore? I'm just going to throw the ball. Just over the don't place. care. They just don't care, right? But somehow this guy Sam Darnold Dude. out of nowhere comes out and plays really well. Now I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit. I know in the NFL we love to anoint guys and make these broad sweeping statements about quarterback. Of oh, this guy sucks. He can't play or. He's the next Tom Brady after one game, right? Like, look what happened with Deshaun Watson last year. Everybody is saying that he's the next Tom Brady, the next Michael Jordan. They weren't even comparing him to people <laughs> in the same sport. He's the next Michael Jordan. Because he's he had the next a Franklin good, Delano Roosevelt. Yeah, right? A couple good games. All of a sudden, you're the next Michael Jordan. So <laughs> I'm pumping the brakes a little bit on people saying that a rookie quarterback or a guy with one or two years is just going to be this great quarterback after a couple good games. Because – when you're a quarterback, defensive coordinators are going to get a book on you pretty quick. And it only takes a few games. Sometimes it takes as much as a year. But all of a sudden, they're going to come up with a game plan that specifically attacks your weakness. And if you're not able to get those weaknesses up to at least pretty good, you're going to get destroyed and you won't have any hope in the NFL because your weaknesses will be exposed and you can't play in the NFL if you have a big weakness as a quarterback.
I will defend Watson because late in that game, he did like get back into his rhythm and he did look like a really good quarterback. They started the surge back. He figured it out and he's coming off an injury. So I'm not going to say he sucks yet, Joe. No, I'm not saying he sucks, but I'm, I am pumping the brakes on people saying he's the next Michael Jordan. Yeah. I think he's got ability. Yes. I think he might be a really good quarterback, but I want to see more. I'm not going to say I think more. he's going to suck. I'm not going to say I think he's going to be Michael Jordan. I want to see more, but everyone wants to anoint him, right? And so that's my whole point with Sam Darnold, right? So Sam Darnold did a really good job. He came back from a dreadful start. He overcame something that most rookies wouldn't be able to, but he still did not have 200 yards passing. No, he didn't. Just just remember the stat line. And his defense was balling. For 198. Yeah. His defense was balling, and Crowell was toting that rock. Did you see Crow out there? Holy heck. I, I love good. watching Crowell because he gets up to speed so quickly. And then yeah. when he runs, you're like, dude, that, that big guy can run. <laughs> he's like, he's strong pretty strong as hell, too. He's really strong. But uh, so I'm, I would say for me, the one guy I'm the most excited to watch this week is Sam Darnold. I want to okay. see how he follows up, right? Because he did a good job. But I like that. He had so much help from his defense with all those interceptions of Matt Stafford. He had special teams help. Everybody around him was helping. Now, Team's got one full game on him, right? They're yep. going to come up with a little better game plan. They know what he does. They know what his tendencies are going to be. And you're going to see teams starting to attack him a little bit more. So I want to see how he follows up. I think the Jets are sneaky talented. I think people are going to see that. In the other game, we had the Rams and the Oakland Raiders. Chucky was back in the black hole. You know, Gruden came out. You're thinking, oh, man, this, this is legit. And then the Rams did what you expected the Rams to do. What are your thoughts on Gruden's debut? Well, I was watching this game with a baby in my hand, and yeah. I saw the beginning of the game when John Gruden runs over to the black hole, and he's he all was, fired up, and he's like fist pumping with two fists. And, that kind of amped oh, me up, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. lie. That kind of yeah, excited yeah. me a little bit. Oh, I no, like, that excited me too. I, I got like, like some chills awesome. when that happened. Yeah, because the, the black hole, for those of you who haven't been NFL players like me and Hawk, <laughs> you guys don't realize how cool it is playing in the black hole because those fans are unlike any other fans in the NFL. These dudes are in Halloween costumes, eight yeah. out of eight home games a year. <laughs> black hole is insane. It was the first NFL game of my career where I remember sitting on the bench. This was like 10 years ago before weed was even legal. Mm -hmm. And I sat on the bench and the entire game, the guy behind me was smoking dope. (laughs) Like I thought I was getting high on the sidelines, just sitting there. And there was a cop standing right next to us and he didn't do anything. So I'm like, man, this place is different. This is is crazy. And I really have always loved those crazy atmospheres. I love that you still call weed dope. Yeah, man, that's what happens when you're an old white guy from Wisconsin. <laughs> feels, oh. You're back there smoking pot. They're smoking the reefer. <laughs> but that, that was an eye-opening experience for, uh, you know, a little 23-year-old from Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Is that, that's is that dope? That's marijuana. Hey, my favorite part of this game was when it was early in the game. Marshawn gets a, like, a handoff, breaks left, cuts yeah. it out. It's him in the corner. And, like, right when you're expecting a big Marshawn Lynch stiff arm, like, to punish this little itty bitty defender that's in front of him. And like, look, he like didn't know which hand to use. And then the DB wraps him up. And it was like, we're, I was watching in a production meeting at ESPN. And we were like, man, that looked awkward. Like, what, man, he's got some rust to kick off there. And then we look at the replay, and it's Marcus Peters, who is oh. basically like Marshawn Lynch's little cousin. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, that dude consciously decided not to punish the defender because it was his little cousin. <laughs> I don't know if I had that ability. I would cut my friends when I would play them. 
Like I've old teammates that I'm really good friends with. I told them going in, like, I'm going to cut you, take your knees out. And there is a good chance you may have an MCL or ACL injury. Not my problem. I have a job to do. You know, Marshawn Lynch, he, he, he's a guy that we're going to have on the Tomahawk show as a guest. He's a very interesting person. And I'll tell you a quick story. When I was a rookie, I was in the 2007 NFL draft. And sidebar is, how the hell is Marshawn Lynch still trucking people? He's my age. Yeah. He's 33 years old. And, and he, he took a year off. Forever. And he took a year off. <laughs> And he does not take care of his body the way no. Andrew Hawkins does. He eats Skittles for breakfast. He is a walking example of what not to do, and he is still <laughs> doing awesome in the NFL. Uh, that was a fun game to watch. I loved watching Todd Gurley and Marshawn Lynch. As an offensive lineman, that was fun. But anyways, uh, Marshawn Lynch is an interesting guy because I was uh, in the NFL draft. I was visiting the Detroit Lions. They had the number two pick in the 2000 NFL draft. Me and Marshawn Lynch picked up at the airport in the limo. We're both on our visit together. And he is like, you know, eccentric. He is like Mr. Scatterbrain, but very uh -huh. chatty and nice and friendly. Um, and I had no idea who this guy was. And it wasn't until a couple of years later that we really started to get to know Marshawn Lynch a little bit more. But uh, what a, he's actually a really, really smart guy. And he kind of plays up this doofy uh, goofball <laughs> uh, character a little bit. But I think that's the genius of it. Gronk is like that too. That yeah, was like the, the most surprising thing when I went to New yep. England. I like sat at the lunch table and Gronk sits down with me and him. He's like real quiet. He just looks over and I'm like, how you doing, man? I'm Hawk. He's like, sup? I'm like, yep, that's about the reaction I, I <laughs> get from you. Then he starts asking questions and we start talking and he's like speaking in whole sentences and yeah. he's like diving deep into topics. And I'm like, wait a minute, have you been catfishing us this whole time? Your brain works. You liar. Yeah. I love how you say he's like a, a Mensa member because he speaks in full sentences in real life. <laughs> yeah. He speaks in full sentences. That's yeah, I, was like, I was just expecting him to be like, sup, pull yeah. like a, a can of uh, natty out of his pocket and just <laughs> down it and crush it on his forehead. But he didn't do that. He actually had a conversation at breakfast, which was crazy. Uh, sweet. But yeah, so back to Monday Night Football. <laughs> yeah, sweet. I, I, I loved Gruden. I think he's exactly what Oakland needs. He's exactly what the NFL needs. But I'm really curious to see if his offense from the 90s can keep up with what we're doing today in 2018 NFL. I think we need to have a whole Gruden episode because I don't – I'm not a believer. And I like the Gruden family. I play for Jay. I know Jay's kids. I know I used to work out with um, John's kids in Tampa. I'm just, I don't know. I think the game changes over time. And I feel like the old way of doing things is not going to work as well as he thinks it is right now. I mean, he's off to a rocky start after trading Khalil Mack. And did you see the interview where he was like, Khalil Mack didn't want to be here. He wasn't at practice. That, that's like exhibit A for a dude this is not 20 years ago. That is not the truth. Just because someone holds out doesn't mean they want, he wants to get paid. You know what I'm saying? Like to try to flip that narrative. I'm like, man, you gotta, you're gonna, you're, it's going to be tough for him. I don't know, man. Yeah. When I heard John Gruden say that he reminded me of like the uh, railroad barons of like the 1800s when the union guys were working for like a quarter a day and then they had to rent their shovels for like a quarter and, and, they, and, and they were like, bad-mouthing the, the labor, like, oh, these guys don't even want to work. <laughs> well, uh, Khalil Mack, he didn't want to play here. What, what can I say? We offered him a million minimum salary, and uh, he wouldn't take it. <laughs> he so wouldn't he take it. He doesn't want to be a Raider because, you know, in today's NFL, if uh, 
if you want to be a Raider, you you'd do it for free. Right. That's Meanwhile, he's the only guy on the roster with a hundred million dollar contract. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, it's easy to say he didn't want to be a Raider <laughs> when you're the one making all the money. But yeah, he just wanted a fair contract. He wanted what his market value was, and they weren't going to give it to him. So you can't flip the script and say that's because. Uh, oh yeah, he didn't want to be a Raider. No, he just wa- he wanted to be a Raider, and he wanted to get paid fairly. And you know what? I'm okay with him like having that kind of dictator mentality because Belichick does it. He runs his show. He does what he wants to do, but he also doesn't explain himself. So if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. If he's going to do that, Gruden, I would rather him just be like, yeah, he's not here. And then just move on. But he's so used to giving, he wants to change the narrative. He wants people to have this conversation and tell him what to say. If he just goes about his business, I would, I would respect it more and think, oh, he might be onto something. That is a really good point. I didn't even think about it, but like the NFL that John Gruden left, I know it wasn't 1998, but let's just say 1998. Mm-hmm. If somebody would have had a, a contract dispute like that back in the 90s, and a player holds out because he wants to get paid fairly. Because in the NFL, for those of you that don't watch the NFL, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but <laughs> if you don't watch the NFL, you don't understand that uh, the franchise tag is a mechanism for a team when you become a free agent to keep you around if you can't come to an agreement on a new contract. So they give you an arbitrary amount of money and they're allowed to own your rights. And the only thing a player can do to try to get fair market value is to withhold your services, right? So anyway, so in the 90s, if a head coach would have come out and said, well, he just doesn't want to be a uh, Chicago Bear. He doesn't Mm want to be an Oakland Raider. He just doesn't want to be a Green Bay Packer. Fans, I feel like, would have really totally bought that. Right. But I feel like in 2018, fans understand so much more what players do to their bodies yep. in this game and how much it takes out of you mentally and physically. And I think, by and large, fans are much more behind players getting paid what they're worth than they used to be where the, the – even when I was a rookie in the NFL, the comments from the fans used to be, well, I would play in the NFL for free. <laughs> I would do what you do for free. Uh, you guys are playing a hobby. All you do is show up on Sundays. So I think a lot of that mentality is gone. I mean, there's still yeah. a lot of older fans that have that. But I think in today's NFL, the comment of, oh, he just didn't want to be a Raider, it, it's not going to fly. It's like not going to fly. That's not going to go over well. I mean, all fans really want is they want you to show that you want to win. Like, show us. And when you get rid of the best defender in football, that is not showing them that you want to win. I think that's what it will come down to. Let's look ahead hey, to week two. No, I, I got a real quick question. Uh, Can we get a dinger for him? Zara, we got a we got a dinger. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll work on getting a dinger here. Um, Joe, all right, go ahead, Joe. Finish Follow your- the rundown, Hawk. All right. It, clearly, it says right here. Why was John Gruden looking so sunburned? It's the summer in the Bay Area. And you know what? There's this is hold on. Clouds. Before you get into this, this is an area that only you could speak to. So I'm gonna mute my mic <laughs> because I know nothing about this. I read. I, I couldn't even pronounce the word. I'm like. Sun, soon burnett soon burnett so i'm gonna let you handle this because you're the resident yeah. sunburn expert yeah right, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna step out you know i'm gonna say like when i saw john in, in the the booth last year for monday night football he was looking young and really great and then all of a sudden he must have forgot that when you're a head coach and you stand outside in august for three or four hours every single day you need to wear sunscreen especially now that you're 10 years older than you used to be when you were a head coach so the man got a little too much sun exposure in training camp and looked a little bit sunburned. And I was leading a lot of people to say he was looking a little old. And, of course, yeah. you lose the game, people are going to criticize you. Versus if he would have won, they would have been saying, I love the old John Gruden <laughs> looking so old and grizzled and awesome. But they lost, so everyone criticizes him. So everyone calls him sunburned. 
All right, which, uh, which game are you looking forward to most in week two? Yeah, I, I think I gave you a little preview already. Um, I want to see Sam Darnold. I want to see what he can do following up on that last performance. Like I said, uh, they're playing the Dolphins. The Dolphins are going to have a little bit of a book on them. They're, they're going to see one of the things that he did poorly. How, wh- how did he react to this coverage, to this look? What were the tendencies does he want to look to his left and start his progressions there when the formation is trips left? Does he like to start weak? Whatever it looks like, they're going to have a little bit better game plan this week. So I want to see how Sam Darnold grows in week two against the Miami Dolphins. I like that. I'm going off rundown real quick, and I'm doubling back for a question because it's our show. We can do what we want. What were your thoughts on uh, who's the tight end? Jason Witten? How did you think he did Monday Night Football? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked because I because you, you probably conscious. took notes on this. No, 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 no. I'm Are you a little butt hurt still about not getting the yeah. Monday Night Football? Game? I'm over it. I'm over it. You know, <laughs> people won't believe me, but I wouldn't have taken it anyway because I'm ah, so busy on. with the Tomahawk podcast. True, because this actually. is a much bigger stage than Monday Night. Jason Witten wishes he could be on this podcast. <laughs> actually, what happened was uh, I got offered the Tomahawk job. Jason Witten was the second place guy, so exactly. I took this job, and then he took what was left, which was Monday Night Football. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, I'm going to do what former and uh, presidents of the United States have done for years and that they have not criticized, for the most part, the guy that replaces them, right? And so even though Jason Witten is not replacing me on Monday Night Football, he is the guy more like the guy who lost the the election. But go ahead. I'm the guy that lost the election, sour grapes, saying, oh, he sucks. He was terrible. So I'm going to just say Jason's a friend. He's very knowledgeable. I like him a lot. And so I'm not going to say anything because if I say something that can can be perceived as anything less than being amazing, (laughs) I'm going to sound like sour grapes, and I shouldn't. I'm going to say I really enjoyed listening to Jason. He's very knowledgeable. And one thing that I'm not super knowledgeable on like a Pro Bowl level is my coverages and my route concepts. And he is really in tune and detailed on that type of stuff. So I really enjoyed listening to him. I think they did a good job. I think he has to find his rhythm a little bit. Um, It's weird because they have like a three-man booth, right? So who was it, Booger McFarland? Is he the third one? Yeah, Booger. Booger is really good as well, but I think they're just going to have – it's going to take time for them to figure out the rhythm of the, the three-man the three man booth. But I think he did good. I think he did good. He, he, it's time to grow. That's the cool thing about it is because there's like a reality show aspect where people kind of tune in to not only judge the game, yeah. they want to see how good the ex-player who left the field to do this, how good he does. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's a big microscope right now uh, for Jason. I, I actually think that three-man booth that they have is, is a really good booth. I think people are going to really like it. You've got Joe Tessitor, who's got an unbelievable voice. He's mm-hmm. such a professional. He's so exciting. And then you've got Booger, who is a lineman. He was a yep. defensive lineman. He's yep. very knowledgeable, very funny, interesting. And then you've got sort of the guy in Jason Witten who covers the skill players, right? Yep. He's he was a tight end for 15 years in the NFL. He understands coverages and concepts, and so he's going to really get into the weeds with you. So I think they kind of cover all the bases for everybody. Of course, as we all know, when, when you're in that stage, you're going to be criticized by everybody on social media. Nobody's going to go on Twitter and say how great of a job you did. So Social uh, media is like a miserable place. Well, it's where people go to vent. You know, you can't do it in Not real life. Vent. It's like people are bullies, man. Right. You can't do it in real life, though. That's my point. Like if you went to your job and I said, hey, Zerm, you suck. Look at your face. You're so <laughs> ugly. You... <laughs> yeah. 
I hate your hat, right? Yeah. That, fired, happens, that actually happens to me every day. Somebody calls. Right. I just got done telling Zerm that before you got on yeah, the, the right. conference. Well, maybe you, you're real mean and rude, but I'm a nice guy, Hawk, all right? I'm like you. <laughs> I nice and humble. Hey, write that down for things Joe are. Joe is humble and humble nice. And nice. 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 Unlike Hawk. I'm the right, well, Let's kick it to Zerm because actually since the, since the listener didn't get any smarter with our analysis of Jason Witten, Zerm, how do you, how do you think that he did? Um, so I, I did tweet something nice about Booger McFarland cause I really like Booger McFarland and I think he's, uh, I think he's really good. And I actually kind of wish he was in the booth and Jason Witten was down on the field. Is it because his name is Booger? Uh, one, it definitely is because his name is Booger Two, I feel like Jason Witten is a little stiff. He's a little, his energy's not really where it needs to be. I agree. It's going to take some time. But I'm all aboard the booger train, which sounds super weird, but I'm going to keep going with it. And, uh, Sign me up for that booger train. Yeah, Hashtag I'm, I'm all train. in on the booger train. All right, did you see Booger McFarland's fingers? Have you seen the picture of Booger McFarland? Somebody, when you get a chance, go to social media, Google Booger McFarland's fingers, like on the broadcast. He's a former player. They just do – they have minds of their own. They're just all over. The, they look like spaghetti noodles because they point in so many different directions, and you can just – see the arthritis in every knuckle from him breaking probably everyone multiple times so that's my takeaway from booger mcfarland look no face nat pulled it up <laughs> he's got bad fingers oh uh, his fingers go. are horrible they are scary looking all right so my pick for week two that i want to see is kc versus pittsburgh because Mahomes, he looked like the real deal in week one and they got so many weapons and he has such a live arm and everyone's all jacked up i want to see what he does against a pittsburgh defense i think that'll be very very telling of his ceiling that, that will be a fun game to watch. Kansas City has so many weapons. And now they've got a guy in Patrick Mahomes that's going to be throwing the ball 80 yards down the field to Tyreek Hill. It's just a fun offense to watch. And Andy Reid is so good at being creative and opening it up with new concepts and throwing the RPOs in there. Um, if Kansas City's defense figures things out, that's going to be a tough team to beat in the AFC. That might be the team to beat in the AFC. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, week one predictions. You know, like it's it's one week, but still they look really freaking good. Any individual matchups that your spidey senses are telling you want to see? Like who do you want to see battle against each other? And please don't give me like a tackle in at the end matchup. Wow. That, now you're going to qualify <laughs> what I'm allowed to say the matchup nah. is? That makes sense. I'm excited to see this cornerback that nobody's ever heard of versus <laughs> that'll get like three targets the whole game. <laughs> Well, mine is I'm going to go Tom Brady versus the whole Jaguars defense. I think last year's AFC matchup was like one for the ages because that team in Jacksonville was completely carried by the defense. And Tom has had a year to digest. And I'm curious to see what he's going to do there with the weapons not quite being there like they have been for him. And I get every year he puts a ragtag receiving core together or offensive weaponry. But this year with Julian Edelman – uh, injured. They got rid of Malcolm Mitchell. Danny Amendola isn't there. Like he is going to the the dance with all new guys, and I want to see what he does against the Jack team. Isn't Edelman suspended? Yeah. What did I say? You said injured. Oh yeah, not injured. Yeah, I'm sorry. Suspended. Four week suspension. He's on that juice. <laughs> no, I take. Well, not really. Uh, he was suspended for performance enhancing. <laughs> That's four games for performance enhancing substances. That is not controversial. That's what Mountain Dew is a performance enhancing substance that I was taking. Caffeine, protein, food, they're all anabolic. Yeah. They're all performance enhancers. It's just where the line is, right? That's what the hey. NFL says. They've said 
You don't Whatever like he took so. was not okay, so he's, he's not <laughs> so playing. He's uh, well, hey, the individual matchup I'm interested in is actually Mike Daniels, Green Bay Packers defensive tackle, one of the most underrated defensive tackles in the NFL mm-hmm. versus the Minnesota Vikings offensive line, which is a very, very shaky at best offensive line. Mm. So I'm, I'm interested. Kirk Cousins had a good game in week one. Uh, I want to see what he's going to do if, if Mike Daniels gets in the backfield and starts wrecking shop and Aaron Rodgers plays, which we think he is, and starts scoring points, and they have to start matching points with them. So that, that's a yeah. fun matchup for me to watch. I, obviously, I am excited to watch New England and Jacksonville. Jacksonville, great defense. New England, Tom Brady. I want to see how that unfolds and if Jacksonville is for real. I think this is the game that they say, hey, last year wasn't a fluke. We're going to do it again this year, and we're doing it with defense. Yeah, Firm, you got anybody? Who, who do you want to see this week? I'm really intrigued to see what happens with Josh Allen behind that offensive line. It was a disaster with Nathan Peterman. Yeah. And now, and now he's got to go up against the Chargers defense this week, which Chargers weren't spectacular last week, but they were playing a really, really good offense. I think they're going to be upset about what they let Mahomes and company do to them. I just I, – I said this this morning. I think if there was one rookie quarterback you didn't want to have to play this early on, it's Josh Allen, especially yeah. behind that offensive line. And now he's yeah. just getting thrown to fire. So I'm um, – I kind of like watching the world burn. So I'm, I'm all ready wow. for that. <laughs> okay. Like you know, it's interesting. Car wrecks. When, when, when I watch rookie quarterbacks, the first thing I look for is how quickly are they going through their reads? And once they've gone through their reads, are they taking a sack – or are they trying to move in the pocket or move outside the pocket, keeping their eyes down the field to make the thrill? Because a lot of times what you see with rookies is they take forever to make their reads because they're confused by the coverages. Right. And then the next thing they do is they try to look to run, and usually they get sacked. I like, and this is going to sound really stupid, um, and I understand that saying it, so I'm going to preface it by saying I'm not stupid. Um, I like my rookie quarterbacks that throw a healthy amount of picks. Here's why. Here's why I like the Sam Darnold open up pick six status. Because first off, he bounced back, so it showed he was resilient. That was awesome. But also, I feel like it's worse for rookie guys to see ghosts and hold the ball and take sacks and like be gun shy than it is for the guy who is trusting his eyes. Not like too many. It's like anything. It's like too many of, of anything is bad, and you can also get not enough of it. A beer a day is good. If you're drinking – 74 uh, Joe Thomas Colch beers. 73, 73 Colches. 73 Colches. It's probably a little too much. So, but I do like that. Yeah, I want you to take chances. Like, because some people get frustrated with quarterbacks who don't take chances too. So, I like to see a good amount of picks out of my rookies. So, Josh Allen, I want to see you throw three tubs and at least a pick to let me know that you're, you're the real deal. Which also leads to our next segment. What coach is on the hot seat? What, what coach do you foresee being mm-hmm. on the hot seat sooner than later? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to say anybody's on the hot seat yet, but I'm going to say my coach that needs to be a lot better because things just got a lot hotter in a place that wasn't hot at all is Matt Patricia. Mm. I think they were loving him in Detroit. Obviously, he's got the, the loving glow coming from New England. Oh, it's the next Bill Belichick, which is what they think every time somebody <laughs> hires a Belichick assistant. It never happens. But it never works. But Matt Patricia's in Detroit. Everybody's really happy. They think he's the guy because he made him run sprints after practice. Oh, finally, that's the one thing we were missing. They didn't run sprints after practice with the old guy, but now they've unlocked the secret to great NFL teams (laughs) running sprints after practice. And they lose by 40. So 
he needs to bounce back big time because as a new coach, you're selling a lot of sunshine, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, let me, let me explain it this way, right? As a new head coach in the NFL, you are 1400s in England and you're talking about the new world that you think is going on and you're going to go recruit 53 guys to go sail across the ocean to the new world. And mm-hmm. there's this magical place. If you listen to everything I say, we're going to take you to this place. It's this new world that's got streets of gold, yeah. unlimited food. Uh, and amazing. the people living there, don't worry about them. People, don't worry don't worry about them. Don't worry about the people who already there. have the country. They're not real people. But anyways, it's an amazing place. Just come with me and listen to what I say. And he gets 53 people to jump on the boat with him. And they go on their journey. And they go over the ocean, right? And when they land there, things better be good pretty soon because otherwise there's going to be a mutiny. And then after a couple games and a couple 40-point blowouts, they realize that they're eating boot leather and they're eating the rats that are running around their encampment. And it wasn't exactly what their fearless leader told them it was going to be, even though they ran those wind sprints after practice. Yeah. So So you better watch out. That's why I thought the the Lions' job – I thought the Lions' job was one of the worst openings for this reason. You're wrong. First off – you're in a division with Aaron Rodgers, so the chances of you winning hinges on him getting hurt, which he's had some injury concerns, but still, the um, Vikings were in the NFC Championship a year ago, so that's at least two good teams. You can say whatever about the Bears, but also, the Lions were 9-7 and seven the past two seasons, and that's what got the coach fired. So, they have a very clear bar of success. It has to be more than nine wins. If he comes and he doesn't win more than nine games, what was the point? If he, wins, if he goes two seasons without winning nine games in a division with Aaron Rodgers and the Vikings, which is arguably the best defense in football, like what is the upside here? You know what I mean? That's why I thought this was not a good job. It's that, you know, Codwell, who historically amongst players, he's a player's coach. He's taking care of your legs. He's not running you into the ground. So you're right. Patricia comes in. We're doing sprints after practice because this is how we do in New England, which is all fine and dandy until you start losing football games. Yeah. No, I think those are valid points, but here's why I think you're wrong. And the Give thing you me. overlooked, and I'm going to say, by the way, I always liked Jim Caldwell. I thought he was a, a good head coach. I mean, he did re- pretty good stuff in uh, Detroit and got fired at 9-7, and seven, which I think is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, the standards are way too high, but they've got Matt Stafford. He's a good quarterback. He's a guy you can build your team around. But I think once uh, the Lions fired Jim Caldwell, they did get a lot of pushback throughout the NFL. Whoa, you guys were 9-7 and seven and you fired your head coach? It could be a lot worse. And now they're realizing that maybe they, they got a little bit uh, too trigger happy by getting rid of him. Yep. And so they realized that they can't fire this coach because they've got so much riding and invested in him as quickly as they tried to get rid of Jim Caldwell. Because I feel like the pressure's on them that they made the right decision. So they're going to give this new coach, Matt Patricia, every benefit of the doubt to get the job done. Yeah, I agree. I, and they're my vote for which fan base is most on edge for the same reasons you just said, so I'm not going to okay. belabor it. Um, but let's talk about the Bills, too. The Bills fan base, they are wondering, like, what the heck is going on with this coach? This is a guy who started hot. Like, he had this team playing – better than anybody imagined in 2017. And ever since the Nathan Peterman experience, the narrative around McDermott is changing and we've seen crazier things happen. Like if you look at the Giants, when Ben McAdoo took them to an 11-5 record in the playoffs, they lose in a, in a playoff game where the offense doesn't play great. And then it was just all downhill from there. I think 
McDermott has that same kind of uh, prospectus where they think, okay, people are going to turn on you real quick if you don't show something here and you're throwing Josh Allen to the fire. I like that. That's a good choice. I'm going to go with my fan base that's the most on edge is New Orleans because they've always known that Drew Brees is a stud. That offense is going to score points. But as of last year, they thought that they had their defensive woes fixed. They had thought that they figured it out. And now all of a sudden, they've got a defense to complement their great offense, and they're going to the Super Bowl, including yours truly. This guy right here has the Saints (laughs) winning the Super Bowl, and he was eating his shorts after what happened when Tampa Bay came to town and curb stomped their ass. So I'm going to say that New Orleans Saints are nervous because they know that they've got just a couple years left in Drew Brees' career, and they need to make it happen or they're going to be down and back to what they used to be before Drew Brees got there, and they were the Aints. So I think they're really nervous because if that defense doesn't figure things out this week against what everyone thinks is a bad team in Cleveland, which I think they're a lot better than people think, but if Cleveland goes in there and hangs 30 on that defense right now, there's going to be a mutiny in New Orleans. I agree, and I think they have the chance to do it because they're playing indoors. They got the weapons. Tyrod's going to feel good. There's not going to be any weather conditions. Josh Gordon looked good. Juice Landry looked good. The running game looked good. I think it's got all the makings for an upset, man. I think Tyrod is going to have a huge bounce back game Yep. for a lot of the, the reasons you mentioned. But specifically, this is a dome environment down at the Superdome on turf. And Tyrod is very quick, Holy very fast, shit. and very, very good when he gets outside the pocket. I mean, he looks like a Russell Wilson clone when he starts scrambling. The environment last week in Cleveland where there was two, three inches of rain and it was wet does not exactly fit the type of quarterback that he is because he's conservative, but he's very good moving outside the pocket, scrambling for first downs, moving around, waiting till somebody gets open, throwing them the ball. And so I think this environment really suits his talents very well, and I expect him to have a big game. I agree, man. Firm, what we got next? What else do we need to do? What do we got to hit? Uh, so the last thing here, guys, in, in talking about uh, week two is I want both of yours, both Joe and Hawk, I want, I want a prediction that you're like 99% sure is going to be incorrect, but you still want to give it. And maybe we can touch on first, because Joe, now I know obviously you, you were down on the Bucks and Ryan Fitzmagic and they, uh, they proved you wrong. What was your worst week one take before we get into these week two predictions, guys? What was your worst week one take? My worst week one take was the Viking offense was going to look trash. They looked really good. <laughs> I can't even think back a week, but I'm yeah. going to say one. I'm going to say one thing that I thought to be true that was not in week one was I really thought that San Francisco was going to play better than they did. Now, granted, they they came up against a good defense, but I expected Jimmy G to make a big step above where he was last year. Now, he was pretty good last year, but I thought that an offseason with Shanahan and the synergy that they were going to put together from training camp, I really expected them to have a big outing, and they lost their first game. They looked okay, but um, I I really want to see what happens this week. They lost that running back, man. I just know Shanahan paid him in the offseason. They lost McKinnon, and I just know they were putting so much into him and building this offense around him, and he tore his ACL in a practice a week before the season started. And I could just tell they were in scramble mode, and they're still trying to figure it out. I think they will figure it out, but right now they're, they're just trying to put the pieces back together, man. My incorrect prediction, Ryan Fitzpatrick will throw for 400 yards. 99% sure it's not going to happen. I'm going to do it anyway. Fitzmagic, back in the building. Joe, 
What do you got? Oh, that's great questions here. I like that buy time comment. Uh, right. <laughs> Ooh, that is a very, very good question, young What's sir. Two plus two. <laughs> uh, two plus two, Miss Teacher, <laughs> is, um, you know, my incorrect prediction is going to be that Houston Texans are going to get throttled by the Tennessee Titans. Mm. I'm just not a, te- a Texans fan. I saw their offensive line last week, and they were dreadful against the Patriots. I don't think they can protect Deshaun Watson. I think the offense that the Texans are running does not suit Deshaun Watson very good. I think the offense Deshaun Watson should be in is like the Shanahan, Sean McVay offense where they're running the wide zone, they're running the nakeds, the keepers, the bootlegs. They're running the play actions off of all those wide zones. That's what they need to focus on, right? But Bill O'Brien is a, a Patriots Belichick guy. He wants to drop back pass and throw the ball. 50 times down the field. Um, but when you double-team DeAndre Hopkins, those options are not there all the You know what? You talked about the Shanahan offense. You know who else runs that offense? The New York Jets. So I think that also played into why Sam Darnold looked so good because that offense just makes guys look better than what they are. And it's That's no true. knock to anybody. I was also a beneficiary of that offense and yeah. probably looking a little better than I was capable, but it's one of those offenses, man. I agree, man. You talked about buying time. I got a quick story. When you buy time, when I said, when I asked you the question, you said, that's a very good question. Let me, hmm, I'm glad you asked that. When you go to NFL workouts and you wouldn't know anything about this, Joe, because you played for one team and anything they wanted you to do, you were like, no. Um, But for me, a guy who had to do multiple workouts for NFL teams, what happens is for those who don't know, they bring you in, you're by yourself, you do a physical, you go see a training and then they work you out on the field. Now, what that means is you are there by yourself. There is no backup. Typically, there's not another. There's not six other receivers there. There's not, you know, other members that are trying out that are giving you time. So you're doing everything back to back to back to back. It's the most tiring thing in pro football. So like four routes in, where I get zero break, I'm huffing and puffing wind. But what you do to buy time is you have to know like the little tricks and trades to try to get yourself as much air as possible. So I'll run a route and then halfway back I'll tie my shoe. Oh my bad. I'll make sure my shoe comes undone after like two routes when I'm tired. And then I'll get back and I'll say, hey, I need you to run a 10-yard in. And when you get the 10 yards, give them a head fake to the right. And then what you do is you say, okay, so let me get this straight. You want me to go 10 yards, you want me to fake, and you start asking like the question over again. They say, yeah, do that. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just wondering because in my last office, what we would do is we would get to 10 and we would do a stutter. I don't know, what, what, what is your idea? And they're like, yo, shut up, just run the route. Boom, I just bought myself like 25 seconds there. So little things like that helped you buy time in a workout. doesn't really matter in a podcast because, Joe, you don't care. But for a guy like me that needed to be on, I use that trick in every workout I've done from the New York Jets to the, the New England Patriots. Yeah, you're like, uh, a comeback route. What's that? Are, are you exactly. sure? Is that, is that really uh, 12 yards and then I come back down? <laughs> All right. Uh, what else that? we got for him? All right, guys, so we're going to talk some fantasy football, and I think it's time to announce officially the winners of our – well, winners and loser, I guess, since uh, Hawk, as you said at the beginning, the person closest to 73 points, 16 points. <laughs> You've got to really be bad at picking fantasy players to come close to that total. Um, so, yeah, Hawk, if you want to go ahead and announce um, our winner and then our overall winner and then the person that came closest to 73 points, 16 points in week one of the Tomahawk Squad's uh, DraftKings Listener League. I love it. Beesberg. Username Beastberg, you won first place. Congrats. You win $73.16, the golden amount. And also POTUS01. I don't even know what his point total was, but 
he even had more than the 7316. You have to really be trying to hit 7316. Maybe we should change it to you have to if you hit 73.16 on the nose is the only way you win the money. Otherwise, whoever's the biggest loser is just going to walk with money every week. And I think uh, POTUS01 was actually number 199 out of 200. This <laughs> Guys week, are just going to so. start tanking our fantasy. <laughs> there you go. Keep doing right. It's the people, people are going to start picking, putting me in every lineup <laughs> in, the, in the roster. <laughs> picking all dudes that aren't even playing. Right. So you have to hit exactly. Going forward, you have to hit the number 7316 exactly in order to get the loser winnings, if that makes any sense. And then, so for you guys now, Joe and Hawk, now I know that you two are fantasy football rookies and uh, we had some difficulties, so you weren't even able to really get involved in week one, but you will be for week two. So as you guys look ahead to this weekend, do you have one player that you are absolutely going to select in our DraftKings League? One guy that it's like, I don't care how much he is, I'm taking him. Yeah, Tyreek Hill again. That's my guy, man. I shout out to the short receivers. Joe's gonna pick a tackle, which won't get him any points. But I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna, gonna get go seventy three dollars though. <laughs> you win seventy three bucks because your team will be terrible. But yeah, I'm going Tyreek Hill. He's a beast. What you got, Joe? You know who I've got? My one lock in fantasy this week is Melvin Gordon. Mm. Now you're gonna say, "Oh, you only picked him because he's a Wisconsin Badger," and and you're a homer. But no, no, that's wrong because you know what? They're playing the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> I believe very, very strongly that the Los Angeles Chargers are going to throttle the Buffalo Bills this weekend. I think they're going to get a big lead, and then what are they going to do? They're going to hand the ball off to Melvin Gordon often. They're going to get him almost 30 carries. So although I know absolutely nothing about fantasy, I'm assuming if you get 30 carries as a running back and probably 100 yards and a couple touchdowns, that's got to be worth a lot of points. So He might even have have some interceptions. Yeah, he might have some. They might put him in on defense too. <laughs> no, nah, he's he's gonna have a great game. All right, now let's go to our picks. Um, are we making picks this week? We're, we're gonna make picks this week, but we're gonna let Nat tell us right now how we did in week one. All right, so I'm just gonna start off by saying, Joe, I'm really disappointed in you because oh, you God, came in worst. last out oh, of I'm our entire worst. Tomahawk squad oh. with six correct picks out of fifteen. Wow, that's your terrible. reaction, Joe. My reaction is, I'm glad I didn't bet on all those games. Thank God, or I'd be broke. All right, give us the rest of the results, Nat. So the winner of this week's Tomahawk Squad picks was producer Chuck. Actually, he got 11 out of 15 wow. picks correct. All right, we got to. I don't know if the listeners know Chuck. We got to give Chuck a nickname. How's Chuckled? Is that no? Okay, we'll keep we'll keep we'll keep brainstorming it. Who else we got, Nat? So second place was Zerm, the firm Zerm, wow. with 10 out of 15 picks correct. Solid. And then we had a tie with NFD and Hawk, mm. 9 out of 15 picks correct. Mm. And then me, second to last, I got 8 out of 15 <sighs> picks correct. But at least oh. I wasn't last like Joe. It could oh. be worse. You could be the person who gives detailed analysis on every part of the game and then picks everybody wrong. Jesus. That's Joe, amazing. you're in a deficit. We'll, we'll be doing this all season, so – You'll have a chance to come back. All you got to do is get them all right next week. All right. Well, instead of doing picks, we'll just put our picks on social. Let's just do a lock of the week. Who's our, Everyone go through that's here on the, the broadcast now. Their locks of the week. Joe, you go first. Yeah, I, I think that's a good idea. So my lock of the week, like I mentioned before, I think the Chargers are really going to have Buffalo Bills number. I don't think Josh Allen is going to do much as a rookie. He's one of the most inexperienced rookies that's going to be playing, probably the most inexperienced, and I think you're going to see that. 
especially after what happened last weekend. And I think the Chargers are a pretty good football team. Phillip Rivers is always putting up good numbers. They've got a pretty solid offense, a good defense. And uh, I, I think the Chargers are going to win. So they are my lock of the week over the Buffalo Bills. Mm. Who you got for him? Who's your lock of the week? All right, so I'm going to go with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers who are going to down the Detroit Lions who are on a, I think they're on a stiff downward spiral. I do not believe in the Detroit Lions. And I think that the 49ers coming off a loss to the Vikings where they left some plays out on the field. They had a touchdown pass that got dropped. So they had a lot going on where I think they're going to put it together week two, play much better. So my lock is the 49ers over the Detroit Lions. My lock of the week is going to go to the Cleveland Browns. Now, people are going to call me crazy, but I'm going with it because to to watch what Ryan Fitzpatrick did to that defense, and I think that the the Browns' offense is more talented than Tampa, and I think the defense is better. So I think Drew is going to be in for a rude awakening. Me and Joe were a part of a week two win against the Saints, and we're going to keep that tradition going here on the Tomahawk. That's my lock of the week. Nat, give us your lock of the week. And we got to come up with a nickname for Nat. We can go with No Face Nat. Bandwagon Nat has been kicked around. She's not a big fan of that. But we'll let the listeners, anyone listening, submit some no-face Nat, yeah. bandwagon Nat, whatever the nickname is for Nat. Submit them so we can kind of kick them around and take yeah. a vote. Make Nat, sure who's your you ha- hashtag Tomahawk or go to at Tomahawk, on the, on the, uh, Tomahawk Show on the Twitter page. Yes. So my lock of the week, and it's not going to be like this every week, but this week I'm going with the 49ers because (laughs) based off of how Matthew Stafford played in the last game, um, I don't have much faith in the Lions. So I definitely think we're going to win. I think we're going to get our shit together after (laughs) practicing this week and not drop balls every five seconds. So that is my lock of the week, and I hope the Browns win too. Oh, new Browns fan, bandwagon Browns fan over here. And she's also a homer, uh, so maybe homer Nat is how we go there. Yeah, and Nat, you just stole, you stole my pick. Unbelievable. I Incredible. Know, if, if you let me go first, then you would have stolen my pick. Copycat Nat. A, we'll figure it out. Um, is that it? We're not going to do the Q&A today. No Q&A, but we, we did want to talk about uh, the weekends that we have lined up. Because if you remember last weekend, uh, Nat went to a J. Cole show and didn't invite anybody. Oh, and yeah. had the best Ooh. weekend that was way more fun than any of us. So... Off. Um, we're just going to put it out there. And, um, I mean, most of the weekend will be spent watching football, but does anybody have anything particularly interesting outside of football, football watching, sitting on a couch with a pizza in hand that they will be doing? Yeah, I'll be working. So my weekend's going to be awesome. Joe is averaging 26 diapers per weekend changed. So I don't know what he has fun. I'll be lotioning my nipples because mm. of all the breastfeeding I'm doing. <laughs> It'll be uh, real nasty and real ugly this weekend, and I hope to uh, have just enough time to watch some of the foot- football games and maybe even give you guys a little take takeaways from uh, a couple of the games I'm watching. So love those Thomas time. takeaways. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Uh, it's a big weekend for me. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> So this is my formal invitation to all of you so you don't give me crap about not inviting you. I'm going to Arizona this weekend. Mm, so wow. you guys are all invited. That's where I'll oh, be. Man. We'll be watching football, but I actually have never spent time in Arizona, so I'm excited. I love how she gave us the exact address. Oh, I'm going to Arizona. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be in America this weekend. You guys should come with me. It'd be awesome. You guys should join me. You guys are all our, invited. Anybody can come. Farm, you got anything cool doing this weekend? Yeah, I'm just going to pick a city in Arizona, fly there, and see if Natalie <laughs> See if you can meet up with Nat. Joe, do you know yeah, how old uh, Nat is? Oh, God. We can't play this game. That's not nice to ask a lady how old she is. No, guess. I want to know. 26? Uh, 23? Uh, closer. 
21? No. no. Okay. I'm 24. I'll be 25 24. in December. When, well, tell him what year you were born. That'll put it in perspective for him. What year were you born, Nat? 1993. <laughs> 93. I was selling cigarettes oh, in 93. That, that, that was your second year in the NFL. I mean, Dude, my first mixtape dropped in 93. Well, you know, I, so I guess 26 because she is like the brains of the operation. She's so technical. She does all of our cutting up of this stuff. Exactly. The technology that I don't understand one thing about. We don't get I was like, of it. Man, there's no way she could be that young. I'm like, she's probably like <laughs> got to be 28 or 29 because she's so good at what she does. But that's impressive. I'll take it as a compliment. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you could, but <laughs> sorry about that. All right. Well, here we go. Well, that does it for this edition of the Tomahawk. Make sure you guys are following us on social at Tomahawk Show. Hashtag send us any comments, any questions. Also, give us suggestions on how to make the show better. We're, we're all growing here together. We're all a family. And we're going to keep it that way. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. If you haven't, you're an idiot. I don't mean to call you names because we love you here. But still, subscribe. Rate us five stars. And as always, take us out. Joe Hawk yourself. Nice. First one. Stop How did that feel? How did it feel? How did it feel? feel really good. I've been waiting to say that. <laughs> I've been waiting. <laughs>